Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We are tackling the issue of human sexuality. It is uh, unfortunately what our culture calls Gay Pride Month, and um, we believe, especially in this time, it's so important to respond um, with clear biblical truth. So, where I wanted to go, I wanted to start this morning just uh, with the idea of the very nature of sin itself. So, I think a lot of Christians have a wrong misconception of what sin is, and whenever we have a wrong misconception of what sin is, we're going to get the gospel wrong. Mm-hmm. So, people will hear us talk about sexuality and homosexuality, and and they'll they'll misplace how the Bible talks about these things. So, I'm going to go to Romans one. Romans 1, um, in verse 18, Paul says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And now he's going to tell us why God is angry. For what can be known about God is plain to them, that is the, the world of mankind, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him. And then it says, then they turned and worshiped the creation instead of the creator. Now, this is the essence of all sin. Knowing that God exists and turning away from him, refusing to honor him and love him and treasure him and value him as God. That mm-hmm. is the, the seed of all sin. Right. And then it says in the rest of the chapter what God does to judge that turning away from God. God gave them up. God gave them up. And, and he gave them up to what? Well, unnatural desires, homosexuality, disobedience to parents, murder, hate, all these sins of the flesh. But those come as a result of the first sin, which is not treating God as God. Mm-hmm. And so if someone were to say something like, when is God going to judge America for abortion and, and, and homosexuality? That is the judgment. Right. Mm-hmm. That is the Now, will there'll be an additional judgment for that? Of course there will be. But this, the, the, the real problem is not their sexuality. Their real problem is in their hearts. They've turned away from the living God. Mm-hmm. And that leads to a loss of identity. Uh, it leads to a confusion about who we are. Um, the sin of setting ourselves up as our own little gods and goddesses, that sin is punished by its success. Yes. That we become little gods and goddesses to ourselves in our loss, in our blindness, in our confusion, that we don't know the way, but we're determined that we do. And by the way, we're not just, you know, 
picking on same-sex attraction here. This is this is true of every human being. Yeah. Roman, the book of Romans goes on in chapter three to say all have sinned. Mm-hmm. In fact, Paul sets it up in you know he sets it up in chapter one about the sin of the pagans, and he's got all the Jewish and, and even Christian believers nodding their heads, yes, yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. aren't they bad? And then he gets to the he gets to chapter two, and he says. You who know the law, yeah. you're without excuse too. I, I got to right. say something real quick. Uh, Kevin DeYoung had a really good blog article on Gospel Coalition several years ago where he basically asked the question from the kind of the secular perspective, why are you Christians talking about sexuality and homosexuality all the time? And he basically answered, actually, we're reacting right. to the way that what culture is shoving down our throat. It's not as if there's a contingency out there saying, hey, you know, we're for drunkenness, you know, and and that's being shoved down our throat, or we're for, you know, some obscure sin and we're shoving that down your throat. But this sexual revolution is very much right mm-hmm. up in our face. Right. So right. our the emphasis in our speech is not because we think that homosexuality is this chief sin that's worse than any other, but it's because this is the cultural moment that we live in. Well, right. yeah, and, and um, you know, many years back, um, these issues were treated as a behavior now they're treated as an identity, yeah. and and so we we've, we've moved from um, you know um, bad behaviors into well this is my identity therefore I I'm, I'm going to promote this that's right right and, and by the way uh, one of the great lies out there it's a, just a gigantic lie that our culture the modern world has discovered something new and different about sexuality that the ancients could not possibly have known and could not possibly have been known at the time of the Bible. But we are so wise and we have such great insight now. I want to say to any reasonable person, look at the human toll of the sexual revolution of the last 50 years and you tell me that the modern world knows more about sex than the Word of God. Mm Mm-hmm. That the, that the modern world somehow knows more about how to live a healthy and fulfilled life, that the modern world knows more. If you want to hear the, the scientific documentation of the damage done by the sex, sexual revolution, I recommend a little book by Mary Eberstadt called Adam and Eve After the Pill. Mary Eberstadt happens to be a Roman Catholic writer, um, but she's simply documented uh, the social science research into the, the human damage the, the human wreckage that's been left in the wake of the sexual revolution ever since the 1960s when basically our culture decided to throw out sexual you know, Christian standards. Of, and let's, let's be clear. The sexual revolution was a rejection of Christianity. Yeah. The sexual mm-hmm. revolution absolutely was a complete re- rejection not only of, of Christian sexual morality but of Christianity itself. Mm-hmm. And But the, the human toll has been horrific and and so once again god knows the way to life mm-hmm. god has shown the way to life in his word and the world does not know the way to life that's right okay so what should okay two two kind of questions today but they're they're very similar so what should a christian do what should a christian do if they have same-sex attraction and then the second part is can a homosexual change I think there's there's a couple things that we're talking about here when we're talking about same-sex attraction. One is we're talking about uh, the level at which a person as a believer is tempted. And then the other is what are his desires. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our desires can be, 
Well, let's say the temptation is there for many people in terms of any number of sins, you know, but, and the temptation itself is not sin. Um, you, it's, uh, you know, you can use the illustration of the, the man on the beach, you know, the, the woman that passes by in the bikini, you know, you know, will attract his eye. Um, you know, it's when he starts following her down the beach that you got a problem. Yeah. You know, it, well, Jesus, it, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, yet without with, sin. Without sin. Right. Okay. So, so when temptation turns to desire, then it's, then it's wrong. And I, I think that, um, sometimes, you know, we have to be careful. You know, the Christian really t- truly has to be careful about how he defines things. Is it a temptation or is it a desire? Because if the desire is wrong, then you've already entered into sin. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, you know, there are, there are, there are sexual desires that are appropriate. Uh, the desire for one's spouse is an appropriate desire. Yeah. There's no sin in that, yeah. you know. But the desire for, uh, a, a, you know, someone who's not your spouse or the desire for somebody who is uh, of the same sex, that is sin, and and so we have to say that that desire is wrong. So you, what you're saying is, first of all, first step is they should uh, make a distinction between temptation and desire. Absolutely. Okay. Right. And I would also say, and particularly to the young, any young Christian that's struggling with this, don't despair. Um, you know, you, you're a Christian, you're, you're beloved of God. And you're a child of God. I have a, I have a friend, I was uh, off the air, I was telling my brothers here about this. I have a friend who's a Christian counselor, and he has told me that a, n- a number of times in his practice, he's been dealt with a uh, young man who came in and was troubled and uh, had something that he wanted to talk about, but had, had, it took two or three sessions to get around to it. And finally, in anguish, the young man will say, I think I'm gay. Mm. And my friend, uh, who's a Christian counselor, will immediately immediately say, no, you are not. You are a child of God. Mm. That's your identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You belong to God. You, you've, Christ died for your sins, and he's made you a new creation. Don't you claim any other identity than child of God. That is so important. Lloyd-Jones really picked up on this in the last century where he talked about we need to make a distinction between listening to ourselves and speaking to ourselves. Yes. And that's in the Bible. Yes. Right. So, so, Why perf- are you cast down on my soul? Why, Psalm Hope 42. Thou in God. <laughs> exactly. Or, or Psalm 103, you know, um, where bless the Lord, O my soul, yes. and, and forget, forget not, not all his benefits. So the psalmist is speaking to himself. So the, that counselor friend of yours is just practicing that outside of himself to somebody else. Yes. He, he's, he's reorienting, he's reminding him of the truth right. and speaking against the lie. In, in moments of despair, Martin Luther would put his hand on his own forehead and say, I am baptized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm a baptized Christian. I am a baptized Christian. In, mm-hmm. other, in other words, I'm a new creation. And in moments of discouragement and despair, yeah. he, would, he, he would preach to himself. Yeah. And, and I would say that to anybody out there listening who's struggling with same-sex attraction. God bless you, first of all, and uh, you can feel so alone in that. Begin by preaching to yourself, you are a child of God. Yeah. You are precious in his sight. Yeah. Please, please yeah. don't forget that. And well, then, but, and then but, also, also remember, and this is true, this isn't just true of same-sex attraction, this is true of every sin and, and every, everything in us that doesn't please God. 
nothing good grows in the dark. Yeah, that's mold. <laughs> yeah, mold. Mold and Black widows. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, talk to somebody. So talk to somebody that you trust. You talk need to your a ro- you need a robust gospel though, because if right. if the if the gospel you're telling yourself is, well, you know, yeah, I have some of these bad desires, but I do these other good things over here. That or I'm a pretty good person. That yes. will destroy your soul. Yeah. You. you I, this is one of the reasons why one of my favorite authors, in some respects, um, he's written some good books on other things not so good. But Tim Keller, uh, he says, here's a gospel couplet for you: You are far worse than you could possibly imagine but far more loved in Christ than you could ever dare to hope. And he got that from Jack Miller. He said, cheer up, you're worse than you <laughs> believe yes. yourself to be. Yeah, and I, I know that sounds that sounds kind of up. That, why would you want to tell yourself that? Well, because it tells you the truth about really who you are in your sinful nature. And nothing else will actually help you if you lie to yourself about how bad you are or how good you are, in this instance, struggling with sexual right. uh, sin then you're, you're, the gospel can't go down to that depth and yes. heal you. Yes. Cheer, cheer up. You're worse than you imagine yourself to be. Uh, but you have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You know, so we have this, we, we have a positional um, holiness. You yeah. know, we've been, we, we've been made holy. We've been made set apart by, by God. We've been forgiven of our sins, all of our sins. That's right. And then, and then we have to realize that um, the rest of it is about a progressive uh, growing more and more like Christ, being renewed in the image and knowledge of God. And so there's that continual uh, thing. He is perfecting for all time those who are being sanctified. And there's a progress to that. And That's right. There's a daily struggle in, in growth. And let's never forget that. We yeah. don't want to automatically say, hey, you know, just because you're a new creature in him doesn't mean that you're not going to have skirmishes in this that's battle. That's right. That's Read Romans 7. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. the Apostle Paul. Who yeah. will deliver me from this body of death? That's right. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yep. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We will continue this conversation on uh, tomorrow's episode. 